With $20 worth of quarters in my pocket, I think I'm living in the shade of an 80s arcade. Shall we play a game? Oh. Hello and welcome to Living in the Shade of an 80s Arcade, and I'm your most excellent host, Joel McLaughlin, here to talk about some more video games today. Now, as if you are a listener of the granddaddy of this show, Living in the 80s, uh, this month they are taking a trip through the 70s, and we're going to this show as well. Uh, because if it was not for what happened in the 70s, we would not have video games of the 80s. And that is a fact. Okay, 1970s were the first decade in the history of the video game industry. Uh, a lot of folks say the golden age of arcade video games was 1978 through 1979. I maintain that actually goes through the 80s, at least from 1980 all the way through uh, 88, 89, even 89 had some really great video games. But um, so in the arcades in the 70s, we started off with games like Space Invaders in 1978. Galaxian in 1979, Asteroids also in 1979, uh, one called Barrier in 1979, which I did not hear about before, Speed Freak in 1979, also one I haven't heard of, Warrior, Tail Gunner, and Lunar Lander, all games that came out in 1979. Um, so the arcades was where it's at right at that point. There really was not a home video game scene yet. Tail end of the 70s, there definitely is. Uh, in fact, 72 through 79 was the first generation of consoles that you could play games on your TV at home. Uh, you started off with the Pong systems from Telstar and uh, Atari themselves, Home Pong. And uh, color TV games and the Magnavox Odyssey, which was a computer as well as a video game system. Those are some of the game systems that we've heard of back then. Uh, they usually had discrete trans transistor based digital game logic. The games were native components of consoles rather than based on external or removable media like cartridges. This is 72 through 79. Uh, the entire game play field occupies only one screen. Players and objects consist of very basic lines, dots, or blocks. Color graphics are basic, mostly black and white or other dichromatic combination. Later games may display three or more colors, uh, either single ch channel audio or none at all. Uh, they lack the features of second-generation consoles, such as multiple processor logic, ROM cartridges, flip screen play fields, sprite-based graphics, and multicolor graphics. Now, these, these first home consoles were, like I said, the Pong games, the ones you've never um, played uh, outside of the 70s. Because once you got to 1979 and above, actually even 76 and above, uh, you started having the cartridge processing 
games like uh, you, you had the Fairchild Channel F, which I've never played that one. I have seen some of the controllers, but they are very cool. Uh, the Atari 2600, the granddaddy, the one everybody remembers and the one everyone says was first, even though it wasn't. And actually, let me take a step back. The Magnavox Odyssey was more or less a Pong, uh, not a computer. The uh, Magnavox Odyssey 2 was closer to a computer than... Uh, the Odyssey 1 was, but that was in the second generation as well. Uh, the Intellivision, one of the first games we've already had a show on the Intellivision, talked about that system uh, extensively in that show. That was one of the first uh, games, systems that had uh, voice audio, uh, you know, like a strike and so on and so forth that it said in the baseball game in Intellivision Baseball. Um, and then uh, the Fairchild Channel F, uh, important to note on the Channel F, I mentioned it earlier, the Channel F was also uh, one of the first systems where the primary developer was an African-American, which is really cool, all right? Because that just shows you how inclusive that uh, the computer folks and the game developers were very early on. That They always have been that way. Um, so... Uh, these systems in the second generation that included the 2600 were microprocessor-based game logic. They had AI simulation of compu computer-based opponents for single-player gaming. They had ROM cartridges uh, that, that you would insert in the system, and that's how you would play the game. Uh, game play fields that all are able to spam multiple flip-screen areas. That, like, for example, good games like uh, um, Pitfall uh, took advantage of stuff like that. Blocky and simplistic looking sprites. They had a screen resolution around 160 to 192 uh, pixels. Uh, that was for the whole screen. <laughs> uh, seems kind of crazy when you consider that most of us have a 4K television in our living rooms. <laughs> Gameplay, um, the blocking and simplistic graphics, you know, that's what we had. That's just what we had to live with back then. Um, basic color graphics, usually between two. Uh, two color, which is one bit, basically black and white, um, or 16 color, which is a four bit um, color palette. Uh, that's what the Atari uh, 2600 was. Up to three channel audio, and they didn't have any uh, features of the third generation of consoles, like scrolling tile based play fields, so on and so forth. Um, so, we already mentioned some of the, the hits in the arcade, but here's some of the franchises, many of which we've already talked about on the show, that were started in the 70s. Asteroids, Breakout, Galaxian, Head-On, Pong, Space Invaders, Speed Race, Sprint, and Tank were all arcade hits in franchises that started in the 70s. Uh, personal computers and console games... Um, of that era was Battlestar Galactica, which I don't even remember. I mean, I remember the TV show and all that, but Battlestar Galactica actually did come out in the 70s, that the TV show did. Uh, but um, apparently there was a computer game for it I did not know about. Um, Empire. Uh, Empire was uh, reminding me a lot of a Trades War game. Uh, Trades war Trade Wars was a, uh, a door game, uh, which I actually should do a show on door games from BBS's. Uh, but technically BBS's were more of a early nineties 
I guess late 80s they were around. Uh, I just didn't get into them until the early 90s. Um, Flight Simulator, uh, which originally did not start out at Microsoft, but it started in in the 70s, in 1979. The Oregon Trail, where the where somebody died of dysentery. Uh, that's the one that uh, everyone remembers from, from uh, 1971 on personal computers. Uh, Sargon, which is a chess game, came out in 1978. Superman in 1979, Star Trek. Now, Star Trek um, uh, from 1979, it was not very computer graphics-based. It was very similar to how you would play um, Battleship. All right, uh, but instead of uh, having to shoot out each little uh, pin on the, on the uh, ship to sink it or to kill it, uh, you had multiple ships you had to take care of. Star Wars uh, was a personal computer game, 1979, and Zork. Zork was a text-based adventure game. Uh, I should do a show on that because uh, they did expand greatly uh, into more than just like a, a text-based adventure. Sierra Games in the 80s took off with it uh, and made it the text adventure a graphical one. Uh, even though you could still type all the same old text commands. Uh, so the best-selling games worldwide in 1978 and 79 was Space Invaders, uh, Electromechanical F1 um, from Japan, uh, AVR Race also from Japan, and uh, Speed Race DX also a Japanese game, uh, or the top games in 1977. Sea Wolf in 77 and 76. Uh, some of the games we just mentioned were also in 76 as well. Ballpark, uh, which was a tornado baseball in Japan. That uh, came out also in 76, 1975. Wheels and Wheels 2, uh, a.k.a. Speed Race in the United States. Uh, Tank in 1974. Pong in 1973 and Computer Space in 1972. Computer Space was uh, uh, one of the first games Sizigi Engineering started, which was uh, Sizigi, by the way, if you did not know, is Atari, essentially. That was their first name, Sizigi Engineering. Uh, the best home sis selling home systems of the decade Nintendo Netlex, excuse me, Nintendo color TV game. That shows you how early Nintendo was involved um, in video games. Uh, Nintendo was a card game company in Japan prior to becoming the video game giant that it is today. The Atari Video Computer System, also known as the 2600, 1977, was a second generation console. Uh, and uh, we all know how popular it got to be. Um, the Coleco Telstar, which was a first-generation console, was number three. That's essentially their Pong. Uh, the TRS-80 computer system with the, uh, that was, a it says TRS-80, I thought it was always a Radio Shack thing, but I guess it had a Tandy chip in it, or a Texas Instrument chip in it. Uh, eight, one of the first 8-bit computers that came out in 1977, that was number four. The Magnavox Odyssey console. 
was brought out in 1972. Uh, and I mentioned it already early in the show. And essentially, it was a Pong game is what it was. So, um, the Fairchild Channel F, the first game system that had ROM cartridges, uh, came out in 1976, lasted till 1983. Pretty interesting system of, of the time, uh, but not the one we all remember, of course. Um, and then, let's see, where is, oh, I'm back on, uh, let me go back to the, to the page here. Epoch TV Baseball, uh, which I don't remember that one, so it makes me wonder if that was a Japanese game uh, system. It probably was. A 1978 Epoch TV game system 10 was in 1977. Home Pong from Atari in 1975. And in Japan, the NEC PC-8100, which is one of the first PCs developed in Japan. Uh, so... As you can see, even though this show uh, concentrates on the on the 80s in how awesome video games were in the 80s, uh, many of these systems that came out in the 70s also were very influential in the 80s. And we played through the 80s, like the Apple II uh, came out in 1977. Uh, that is a system I played on in 1985, 1986, somewhere around there. The uh, Commodore Pet came out in the 70s. The Atari CX40 joystick, that's the traditional joystick we all well know and love, came out in 1978. The Intellivision in 1979, VT100. Now, a lot of folks probably don't know what that is, but VT100 is a computer terminal protocol. Believe it or not, it's still in use today. <laughs> so... That was in 1978, uh, Galaxian 1979. One that a lot of people don't remember, and I think, I don't know if I talked about this, but Milton Bradley also in the late 70s attempted to go into video games with the Macrovision system. Now, that was a really cool LCD-based game, handheld game system, probably one of the first handheld game systems that ever existed, uh, other than the electronic ones, uh, which I should do a show on, too. But that came out in 1979, and what made it really unique was it, in its cartridges also included controls. So when you swapped the game, it swapped not just the the game itself, but also the controls that were built into the faceplate. So that was a really cool thing, and I never I always wanted it, never got it. But um, you know, that's what happens. <laughs> you gotta. You got to concentrate on what you can do. So, um, but you know, the, one of the things, like I said, I mentioned it briefly, um, that came out in the seventies was the handheld Mattel games, the electronic football, baseball, basketball, electronic football too. All this stuff came in the late seventies. Uh, and Mattel, that's where Mattel first started in those before they brought out the Intellivision in 79. So, but I just went through a lot of stuff. But that just shows you how influential the 1970s were to 1980s video game greatness. 
So that's why I thought it was important to talk about this stuff. So now next week, I hope to have our, re our uh, regular show out on earlier on Saturday. This one's probably going to come out uh, about 10 o'clock-ish um, this Saturday, April 15th. 2023 hopefully y'all had your taxes in yesterday so <laughs> or the 13th actually i think it was but uh let's all remember the 70s for what it was and why it helped make the 80s even better thank you guys for listening this week no video clips or audio clips i should say or anything this week just this show because you know I you know, there almost wasn't a show. My primary microphone died. Um, so I actually dug out my old mixing board and a handheld mic. Well, it's handheld now. Hopefully before uh, um, tomorrow when we go to re record the iTech Gear Weekly, we will have um, a thing I can stick this into so I don't have to hold the microphone so I can use my hand <laughs> during the show. Um or maybe a replacement for my Blue Yeti, uh, which, hey, it had a good run. It's over 10 years old now, so uh, it's not a surprise uh, that stuff like that dies. Um, I might see if I can't get it working elsewhere. Maybe, maybe it's just a bum cable. So, um, But uh, next week, hopefully, it'll be a little less chaotic, and I can put together some audio clips of some great games. I might do a show just on the handheld uh, if I haven't. I have to go back and see if I've done that uh, before or not. So um, before I go, though, I do want to put a shout out to Big J, Jason Peitzmeyer of Free For All. They just came back out with a show this week, so you might want to check that out if you're a conservative person. Uh, then living in the 80s is still living in the 70s this this week until the end of this month. Uh, they're covering the 70s uh, just uh, because really uh, without the, the previous times, we wouldn't have the 80s. So Rob's doing a great job over there. Uh, and uh, I do want to put a shout out to Travis Flounder over at uh, Star 107. Thank you for playing the show. I love the show and i also want to thank even though they're not a sponsor any longer spotify for podcasting uh if you really want to put a podcast together don't know how to do it uh and don't want to pay a lot of money uh it's free and that's how this show is done so i want to thank everyone for listening this week take care and god bless <laughs>